0: Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Grace Southwood. Hope you had a great weekend and it's always a great weekend when you can celebrate with another win. Uh, Anyone see the game? Okay, yeah, yeah. One or two of you, I'm sure. Hey, if you have a Bible, we are starting a new series, so if this is your first time, you have missed nothing. We're jumping in right now. Uh, Flip over to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 1, looking at Psalm 1. And uh, we are starting this series in Psalms, and I love it. And if you don't know anything about Psalms, they're simply this. They're music. They're literally songs that the ancient Jews would listen to and sing to one another. And they would sing these songs to create a culture, a community. They would sing about and celebrate the things that had happened in their life. It was so much about community building. Um, Two sociologists are actually studying music right now and its effects. In particular, and I thought this was incredible, they're studying the effect of hip-hop in Norway, okay? Jan Sevier, uh, Krustin, and Stan Hawkins, too, they, they've been studying, and they're asking these questions. How does music create bonds, and how does it create boundaries? And they're, as they're studying music, they're basically saying this. It creates bonds. It helps us to unite together over a common idea, and it also creates boundaries. It separates us from other people. It teaches us who we are and what we are about, And I love studying songs because we get to see the things that God and his people have loved and celebrated throughout their history to create a community, but also to worship. In fact, I would say this, songs are culturally driven and they communicate the culture that we long to embrace. And so girls, you know this, uh, songs teach us how to find love. So if you've listened to Peter Pan by, by Kelsey Ballerini, right? She says this, boy, you're always going to fly away just because you know you can. Never going to learn there's no such place as Neverland. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You don't understand. You're never going to grow up. You're never going to be a man. Peter Pan. Boom, girl. And so you hear that cultural song and you'd be like, that's how I'm going to look for love. I'm going to look for a boy that wants to grow up. And, guys, we have it too. We we have our own advice from one direction, right? How are you going to find a girl? Well, says, One beautiful song you probably listened to in junior high was this. uh, You don't know you're beautiful, and that's what makes you beautiful, right? So you look for a girl that's not into herself, right? It tells us how to look for love, but it also teaches us to overcome challenges. Thank you, Kelly Clarkson. You've taught us this. What doesn't kill you makes you? That's right. Try a little... Yeah, okay, thank you, Kelly. You have helped me overcome all of my challenges. And it tells you where to find value in life. Thank you, Fifth Harmony, because we know I'm worth it. Give me, give me, I'm worth it, right? We know where our values come from. See, songs communicate ideas. They communicate the cultural values we embrace. And the Psalms are the poetic expression of the human experience. They embrace the tension between humanity and the world, and the Lord. They're a picture of how we should respond to the reality of the world and the revelation of our God. John Calvin writes it this way, the Psalms affect our whole being. They're literally an anatomy of all parts of the soul. See, when we read Psalms, we're not merely supposed to read words on the page. We're supposed to be connected with our mind and our heart. The Psalms are meant to stir your emotions and stir your thinking. And as we study Psalm 1 and Psalm over, Psalms over these next four weeks, they're designed to, to incite ideas to the mind and stir the heart. So Psalm chapter 1 says this, "'Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord. and on, And on his law he meditates day and night.'" He is like a tree planted by, planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See, Psalm 1 opens up and it describes really a path And the first word in the psalm is this, blessed. Another way to translate that word would be this, happy. And the the Psalm 1 is really a a centerpiece for all the psalms, and it's describing this. How do you find happiness in life? Where does a happy life come from? And we've all asked that question. Where do we find happiness? Because at the end of the day, we all want to be happy. And so you've asked yourself, do we stumble upon happiness? Is happiness something that is only found inside of you? Or is happiness only available to some people? But the psalmist gives us the picture of where to find happiness, and he says it in three simple breakdowns in this passage, that you, we need to be surrounded by the re, right people, devoted to the right process, and grounded by the right perspective. Happiness comes by being in the right, around the right people, in the right process, and grounded by the right perspective. And so it opens up in, in verse one with this, that you will need to be surrounded by the right people. And he says this, blessed is the man who, who walks not with certain people, actually dwells with other ones, but blessed is the man who does not do certain things. And what he is saying is this, who you surround yourself will shape you. And guys, you know this. You decided this year, I'm gonna move in with six to 12 of my best friends, right? And you load into that house that was never meant to house that many people. And you're like, I'm gonna pay 50 bucks a month. It's gonna be awesome, right? And these first three weeks, you've already been living in that crazy environment and you're interacting with those dudes and you've got your stadium couches set up and you spend all of your time watching all the movies you ever wanted to watch or all the Netflix streaming you could ever watch. And some of you, because I've already heard this from some of you, spent long hours dedicated to FIFA, right? And you'll figure out, probably, I don't know, a month into it, that because you're surrounded in this environment, suddenly your, your verbs will change. No longer will be, hey, are we going somewhere? You will only be talking about how to get there in terms of stalking a guy. Hey, we're gonna head that way. We're gonna we're gonna fire that guy. And it'll be really odd. Or you'll only communicate through movie quotes. And there'll be some movie that comes out, and literally from movie to movie, you'll be like, hey what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You're like, why am I saying that? I don't know, but I watched that movie and it's stuck with you. And ladies, the same thing will happen to you. You won't have 12 people in your you know, apartment. What well, you'll have like a cute group of three or four of you and you'll have a very, you know, there would be no stadium seating in your house and you'll be very sweet, but suddenly you won't even use words, but you'll communicate. You'll be at a party and with three glances and two blinks of the eye, everyone will know what you're thinking in your crew because you'll just go. <laughs> and your besties will know, it's time to go, okay? She doesn't like that girl. or doesn't like that guy. Why did he show up? And they'll be like, we got ahead. And then all of a sudden, all of you go together and you'll communicate because when you're around certain people, you pick up on certain habits. People shape your destiny. In one study, they would say the friends that you surround yourself with even affect the shape of your body. In one study, it said this. In pairs of people in which each identified the other as a close friend, when one person became obese, the other had a 171% chance of following suit. 171% chance. It's like a guarantee, people, You are what you eat isn't the end of the story, says the co-author James Fowler, a political scientist in UC San Diego. You are what you and your friends eat. Jim Collins uh, wrote a book called Good to Great, and every business leader has uh, read this book, is consuming this information, and he says this. The most important part about making a successful company is to get the right people on the bus. A company's success is determined by having the right people, not necessarily the right product. The right people will make a bad product good. The wrong people will make even the best product horrible. People are important. And what the psalmist starts off with is this. If you want to find happiness in life, look at who's surrounding you. And he tells them to, first of all, this. Look at who you're walking with. Look at who's around you. He says this. What words resonate the loudest to you? He says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Walk is this. It's your way of life. It's who you interact with. And counselor are those words that you listen to, the words that resonate to you. Proverbs 13.20 says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. What is he saying? He's saying this. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Whose voice resonates the loudest to you? Who are you walking with? And secondly, he points to a second direction. Where are you standing? He says, where are you positioning yourself in life? He says, who who stands in the path of sinners? That means you're standing in a path and, and hoping that they walk by you. And what's so interesting is I've, I've been talking with my friends recently. Uh, they made a trip to L.A., and they all flew out there, a crew of them. And uh, so someone just asked the question, hey, did you see any celebrity spotting? Did you see any celebrities? And one group of them said, yeah, we saw Ja Rule on his way in and out of the bathroom. And I was like, were you bathroom-stalking Ja Rule? Like, that's pretty awkward, right? But then I thought, okay, I've kind of done the same thing. Uh, not to Ja Rule. Uh, we, uh, we were on the way to Waco with, helping with Impact Camp. And we stopped at Panera Bread, and in the back of Panera, someone said, one of the dudes from Fixer Upper is back there. And I was like, oh, i got to find this dude, right? And so he's in the back, and the bathroom's kind of on the way, and the girl goes, yeah, just walk to the bathroom and see. And so I'm totally bathroom stalking Fixer Upper guy, just walking to the back. Hey, oh, he's there with his family. Probably not going to interrupt him now, right? I totally stalk him. Why? Because you want to put yourself in their path, right? You want to be around them. And in college, that's what you're looking to find. Whose path am I going to put myself in? What people are going to surround me? What sorority am I going to join? What organization am I going to get into? What path am I going to put my life in line with? Proverbs 14.1 says this, The wise woman builds her house, but folly with with her own hands tears it down. See what he was saying, there, "You can put yourself around people, and they are actually destructive and destroy the people around them." Proverbs fourteen seven says this: "Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge." He says, "If you surround yourself with foolish people, soon what's right won't even resonate with you anymore. You won't even be able to discern what's right or wrong." And third, he asked, "This: Where are you sitting? Where are you sitting?" He says, the wise person does not sit in the seat of scoffers. If you want to be happy, you don't stick with scoffers. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says it this way. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. If you were ever in youth group, you heard this one, right? But it's true. Who you surround yourself with has a dramatic impact on your life. And so he says, where are you walking? Where are you standing? Who are you sitting with? Because those people will affect you. Just this past summer, um, there was a, a famous basketball player named Lamar Odom. He played for the LA Lakers for a while, extremely talented, uh, great guy. He even dated a Kardashian, okay? So he was on his way up, right? And, and he, he was found dead in Vegas, OD'd with some very questionable people. And they interviewed his family, and they said, tell me about Lamar. How how did this happen? And they all said the same thing. One friend was was constantly in the way of our relationship with our son. This friend totally pulled him off course. Conversely, Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant played for the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? So any of you Oklahoma City City Thunder people? He made the decision, which was extremely controversial, to leave that organization and go play with the Warriors. And everyone's all freaked out, like, why would you go play for the Warriors, the team that beat you in the Western Conference Finals? Why would you go play for them? And he simply said this, I like the way they play. I like the culture that's around them. He simply said, I want to be in that culture because I know if I'm with that culture, it will affect me in a positive way. I'll tell you this. Your decisions for who you surround yourself with, not the best of intentions, determines your destination. What words resonate the loudest with you? Who is surrounding you? See, let me describe it this way. Your decisions in life are like steps along a path. And who you surround yourself with will shape your time in college. Girls, you will make some of the the biggest decisions you regret, regret by surrounding yourself with the wrong group of girls. And dudes, you will make some of the worst mistakes you've ever made in life based on the dudes that you allow to have the voice and surround you. The first step on the path to happiness is simply this, to surround yourself with the right people. And secondly, he goes on to say, not only surround yourself with the right people, be dedicated to the right process. And I love the description that, he, that the psalmist gives in this. He says, delight yourself in the law of God. And so what he's not saying is, don't run with wicked people, Have you know, do something else. What he says is this, delight yourself in what matters most, the law of God. And you may be asking yourself, okay, Kevin, like, what, what do you mean by wicked? Sinful people. What, what does that even mean? Well, a wicked person in scripture is simply this, not the worst person out there. It's simply the person that says, God, I don't value your rules. God, I don't value you. God, I'm gonna do things my way. He says the opposite of that is this: to delight yourself in the law of God. Delight yourself with God. Now, when it says law, it doesn't literally mean Leviticus. What he's not saying is something that's impossible for most of us, which is to go home today, start in Leviticus, and dive in, right? And if you've ever tried it, you've done like a Bible reading plan, that's exhausting. The law is actually broader than that. It's the teachings. It's it's just the way of life that God provides. He says, look, the person that finds happiness is devoted to the words of God, and this process will take time. Delight is something that grows but delight will drive your devotion, but it 's something that grows and there 's three pieces that we need: we need time to push through the plateaus, and thirdly to stay planted. Craig Rochelle says, says it this way he 's a pastor of life church, and he says this: We often overestimate what we can accomplish in the short run and underestimate what we can accomplish in the long run. He says, we underestimate what we can accomplish in the short run and underestimate what we can accomplish in a life of dedication and he says the first thing to do in verse two is this to spend time meditating on the word of God because growing takes time and I I, I say that and I think most of us would say okay I'm a patient person except when my technology goes down right when you're trying to download an app on your phone, right, you're trying to download the hooked app or something to like get the deal on the meal, and you're like, when is this ever going to happen? I'm almost at the front of the line. Please, right? Or buying books. I- I- I'll tell you what, I-, I bought a book recently, and it wasn't in, uh, on Kindle, which is where I buy all of my books, and I had to order it and had to wait for it to be delivered. Ugh. It's like a week and a half, and I'm like, what? Why is it taking so long? Is someone walking the book to me? Like, what is taking so long, right? Or in communication, like you text a friend, and when do you want the response? Immediately. Every one of us wants immediate communication. But I'll tell you what, when, it talk, when we talk about growing with God, the t- it takes a long time. In fact, one writer, one author writes it this way. He says, the modern world, in fact, can be viewed is a prodigious conspiracy, good phrase, against mastery. We're continually bombarded with promises of immediate gratification, instant success, and fast, temporary relief, all of which lead in exactly the wrong direction. You want to soak in the words of God? You want to find delight in life? It takes time. Everything takes time. Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outlier, says this. It takes about 100,000 hours to become a master at anything. You know how long 100,000 hours is? It's about 10 years. And it's not just 10 years directed toward the right thing. It's 10 years focused on the right practice. Daniel Coyle in a book called The Talent Code says this, that it's 10 years of focused effort in a direction. It's time spent doing the right things over time. So you spend time in God's word, but secondly, you're firmly planted. Verse three says it this way. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. You know what it means to be planted? It means that you're you're weighed down, stuck in. And the key is this. Being planted means that you ride even through the plateaus of life. See, there's times in life when you're studying the Word of God, when it doesn't really resonate with you? Have you ever been in a quiet time and and read for like an hour and be like, I got nothing from that? Have you ever been in a moment when you're trying to study for school and been like, this is making no sense. Should I be an engineer? Oh my gosh. It all takes time. And we all hit plateaus in life. We hit seasons when when we skyrocket for a season and then it kind of levels off. One, one author, George Leonard, writes it this way. He says, to, to take the master's journey, you have to, to practice diligently, striving to hone your skills to attain new levels of competence. But while doing so, this is the inexorable fact of the journey. You have to be willing to spend most of your time on the plateau to keep practicing even when it seems like you're going nowhere. You want to be happy in life You dedicate yourself to studying and growing in the word of God. Hebrews 4 says the word penetrates our hearts. 2 Timothy says the word of God trains you for every good work. And Jesus says of the word of God, we don't live on bread alone, but by every word spoken by the mouth of God. And God's training program for you means that you sit and soak in and you stick there Even when it feels like you're not growing, you stay committed. You dedicate yourself to the process. And number three, you bear fruit in season. You bear fruit in season. Uh, What was the other day, um, my three-year-old son, my my daughter is six, and she got a Bible from the children's ministry over here. And it's cute. It's got like a flower on the cover. It's green. And it's sitting at the house, and Jesse, my three-year-old son, walks over and picks up the Bible, and he flips it open. I'm like, what are you doing there, buddy? Because two days earlier, he had taken a sharp object and was, like, gouging the Bible. I'm like, we're not going to do that. It's your sister's Bible, bud, okay. And so he's opening it up, and I'm, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to read it. And it's all words, no pictures. And, uh, and he starts looking at, like, the words. And then he just gets frustrated, closes it, and says, I don't understand. And I'm like, well, buddy, do you want me to teach you how to read? He's like, sure. I'm, like, go to the first word. I'm like, that's a T. He goes, a T. He's like, it's too hard. And like just throws it and then walks away. And I'm like, okay, okay. You've got to take time. There's a season where you're going to find success. It's hard, but it's in seasons that, you, that success grows. And that's how God works with you. That's how God works with all of his people. David was promised the kingdom and he spent his 20s in the wilderness running from a king. Moses was in the throne room of God and spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Jesus spent 30 years in obedience to his parents before he ever stepped up to lead in ministry. It takes time and there's a season. And in the season, when you're studying, soaking in the words of God, you're growing, you're learning, and God is carving his character into you. I've never been surfing, uh, but several of my friends have been surfing. and and, uh they always come back with the same war stories from their surfing experience and it goes something like this dude i was on this monster wave paddling out and my arms were so tired and then i hopped up and the wave crashed over me the board hit me in the back of the head and i kind of was washed ashore and i'm like that sounds horrendous and they're like yeah it was awesome (laughs) and then they'll tell me other stories like this like oh yeah we were out there for like five or six hours And it was totally dead. We didn't see a single wave the whole time. And I'm like, and that was fun? They're like, dude, it was epic. And I'm like, what are you even saying? And I'm like, I want to surf, but it seems really hard. And so I read like instructions on how to surf. And one writer writes it this way. Surfing has given me unforgettable years of fun, health, and recreation. But he says, to put it bluntly, surfing takes years to master 95% of the surfing time is spent paddling rather than riding waves. Sooner or later, your leash is going to break, and when it does, you'll be having to swim to shore. And Lastly, this is the best part. He says, also, I recommend taking a course in CPR before you start spending exerted time in the water. So he's basically saying, look, if you really want to get good at surfing, be ready for a lot of paddling a lot of swimming without your board, and it would be helpful to know CPR because you might need to give yourself mouth-to-mouth to resuscitate yourself from this experience. And I'm like, that sounds really hard. And I tell you what, spending time in the Word of God isn't always rainbows and sunshine. Delighting yourself in the Word of God takes time and devotion. And I tell you what, just recently in my life, have I personally hit kind of a new level of enjoyment of reading Scripture. I remember when I was in college, I, would, I read through the book of Romans for the first time, and I read page after page, and I literally said, this makes no sense. Thank you, God. And that may be you, but you spend time reading. You spend time studying, and I'll tell you the three places that you need to go. You need to pick a time, you need to pick a place, and you need to get in community. You pick a time where you're daily going to spend time in the word of God, you pick a place, a place where you're not going to be distracted, where you can focus in on spending time with Him. And third, you pick a community. You get in a small group Bible study. Shameless plug, we do that here. But there's a lot of other places that do it well. You get around people that love the Word of God and to help you grow. So where is happiness found in life? You should get surrounded in the right, with the right people. You're dedicated to the process of growing to know God and His Word. And third, you're grounded by the right perspective. Stephen Covey says it this way, begin with the end in mind. What do you want to go? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? The vision of where you want your life to drive will will encourage your direction, enable you to stand still. One of my favorite books is called The Call by Oz Oz Guinness. And he says this, I live before an audience of one before everyone else, I have nothing to gain, nothing to prove, and nothing to lose. What audience are you living for? And when I talk about finding happiness in life, it's, it's about people, it's about process, and it's about perspective. What perspective are you saying, Kevin? Well, I'm saying this, that you believe that being right with God is more important than everything else. That you dedicate yourself to the process of growing and being right with God. And as soon as I say that, you go, okay, Kevin, but, but being right with God doesn't always produce the right results. I mean, it says in the text that your leaf will not wither and everything you do prosper. But Kevin, I've seen Christians who feel wilted. I've seen Christians that don't seem strong. I've seen this not play out this way. But I tell you what, the reason is because we're looking short term, not long term. And what the psalmist does next is he gives us three reasons to stay the course. Three perspectives that help us to look forward and fully devote ourselves to God. And the first one is this, to ask the question, what fades? The psalmist says it this way, the wicked are not so. They don't prosper, verse four. They're like chaff, the wind drives away. He says, if you don't dedicate yourself to this, there's another path you can go on. Is the path of saying, I want to live life my own way. And here's the end that that will result in, a transient life. Chaff, if you're a a farmer or familiar with farmers, is is you gather up wheat, and then you start rubbing the wheat between your hands. And what what comes off is the the husk, the worthless part of the wheat, and it will literally blow off. He says the wicked people, the end of the day when their life is evaluated, it's like nothing. It's transient. It's light. It's not deep. And secondly, he says this: the judgment is coming. Fear because judgment is coming on us. I was reading in the news recently, the past I don't know a couple of weeks, and there was a story about Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion. Uh, which I was like, okay, I got to read that story. And so I, I was reading about it, and literally Hugh Hefner was, is 90 years old, and he built Playboy Enterprises, naked ladies in magazines. That was his big hoorah, and set really a new trajectory of, of what we value, what we think is normal, and what we see of the physical body. He really did. And, and what, they, what they said is that Playboy Enterprises has been losing so much money that even the Playboy Mansion the place where lots of bunnies would come and lots of celebrities would all gather, isn't making any more money, not even enough to sustain the house. And so he's, they, they tried to auction it off for $200 million, and they got no bites. But a next-door neighbor who wanted to expand his own residence bought the house for $100 million. The only caveat for buying the house for $100 million was this. They got a 90 year old man along with it. Hugh gets to live the rest of his days in the Playboy mansion. And I look at that and I go, that's just so sad. You had built this empire on something you thought would last, and at the end of your days, you're hoping someone will buy your property and put you up for the rest of your time. Judgment's coming. There's a time in life when we'll say, is what you built with your life actually worthwhile? Is what you invested your energy into, will it carry you the distance? And the end of the day, only two things in life will last for eternity. The word of God, the Bible in your hand, and the souls of men, the person sitting next to you. Everything else will fade away. And number three, God says the faithful are not forgotten. Verse six, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When it says the Lord knows, it doesn't mean like he's aware of. It's a, it's a term of intimacy. He's like, he's like, I know you. You're mine. You've been spending your time with me. You've been devoting yourself to me. I know the way of the righteous. Just come to me. And I say that and you're like, okay, righteous? Does that mean that the best people, the good people, the, one that have it all, the ones that have it all together? Well, no. You see, look through the whole passage. The right actions are simply this, putting yourself in the right path. See, we are not righteous. We're born wicked. Every one of us. Me too. Preacher guy with a mic. I'm wicked. But there was someone that came into history. His name is Jesus Christ. And he stepped in and said, I will take all the punishment of the wicked that they deserve, and I'll give you freedom. You know how you get righteous? You don't try harder. You don't devote yourself more. You stand in the path of Christ and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to rescue me. And he says, boom, you're in. I love you. Come delight in me. Come delight yourself in my life. Jesus says literally, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, I'm the bread of life. Come for sustenance. Come If anyone comes to me, he will be from him like rivers of water will overflow out of him. He'll never thirst. I have everything you need. You want to be righteous? It's right here. Come with me, and I won't forget you. You're never forgotten. You come rest with me. See, happiness doesn't come from the inside. Happiness isn't just for some people. It's for everyone, and it comes from one, Jesus Christ. One closing illustration before you head to your groups, and it's simply this. It's between two men, Billy Graham and Chuck Chuck Templeton, two men that took two directions in life. Billy Graham was an evangelist, and he got his start back in 1947 in L.A. And what most people don't know, unless you read Billy Graham's biography, it's, it's this, that he was in turmoil at that point in time because his good buddy, Chuck Templeton, began questioning the validity of the word of God. And, they, and Chuck literally said, okay, how can you believe this thing is true? I mean, science is, is moving us much beyond the, the word of God. Like, why do you even believe this? And Billy's like, I don't know. And he's, he's struggling. He's wrestling. And right before the L.A. crusade, the crusade that would start and spotlight his ministry, it says that he went to the woods, and he brought his Bible. And he says he went literally to a tree, a stump on the ground, and laid down his Bible on the stump. And he's in turmoil. He's like, am I going to dedicate my life to this? Am I going to dedicate myself to this word? And as he's sitting there in front of the word of God, he says, Lord, I'm going to take this as your inspired word. I'm going to teach it. And I'm going to bank my life on this. He gets up, and the next day he go preaches a crusade. A crusade, a crusade that's televised, that's carried in the newspapers. And the life that he lived, Billy Graham, was incredible. He spoke the gospel to more people than anyone who's ever lived. Chuck Templeton rejected the word of God. And several years later, when he was like in his 80s or 90s, Chuck Colson did an interview with Chuck with, uh, with him. And as he's, they're sitting there across from one another, he asks him, hey, t- tell me about your life. Tell me how the trajectory went. And he, and he recounts this story with Billy Graham and recounts the, his drift from the word of God. And as he's, he's sitting there, he says, well, tell me what you think about Jesus. He says, he looks into this man's eyes, Chuck Templeton's eyes, and a tear came down. And he says, it's almost like looking at, thinking about an old friend that I miss. He's like, but that's, that's not me anymore. And he wipes his tear, tear away and he says, let, let, let's go on with the interview. And Charles Coulson writes in, in, his, in his book, he says, it was almost like he was yearning to come back, but he refused because of the path that he was on. Only two things in life last for eternity. The word of God and the souls of men. If you dedicate yourself by surrounding yourself with people that love the Lord, dedicate yourself to studying the word of God, and know that in the end, this will matter most, I tell you what, you'll die happy. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And thank you that you give us pictures, stories, songs for how to live life to where to direct our life. So Lord, I pray that as we get in our groups, as we, as we open up your word, as we ask questions, you would help us to, to do some personal inventory. Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are we spending time in the word of God? And do we believe that in the end, this is where life is found? I pray that we would, and I pray that you open our hearts to see it. It's in your holy name I ask these things, amen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to the Grace College Podcast, man. I'm uh, excited to be here with you guys.
0: My name is Jacob Smith, and I'm Kevin Barra, and thank you so much for joining us. And uh, another great week in in college world. And so, what we want to do on this side of the podcast is to talk about some of our sermons and some of the things that are upcoming. And so, to jump us off, Jacob, let, we've uh, we started our Psalm series. We did. It was
1: super fun. I was so excited to hit the series. We're doing four weeks total in Psalms, uh, and man, we're going to bounce around a lot, but thanks to that, we're going to get to cover kind of some of the major themes that we find in the book. Uh, And man, we started off uh, where the book starts in chapter one, uh, and it was really great. It was about, you know, abiding in the word of the Lord, uh, surrounding yourself with the Lord's people. Uh, It was just, it was a really cool way to kick it off of basically like, hey, you should read this stuff and you should listen to it and you should bring other people alongside of you that like also are reading it. So it that's was right. it was really fun. That's
0: right, that's right. And it was a great one to jump off with, especially because um uh even where we're going with the semester with our small groups and stuff. Yeah. But uh you know, as we were talking about what we were able to emphasize in our particular sermons, there was a piece that both of us both of us said, uh we it would have been great to hit this one a little bit more. Yeah. We both kind of talked about uh just how to have a basic devotional time. Right. And so we fig- we both figured as we we're talking about it, it'd be good to kind of hit what are the pieces that make a good devotional time as you as you try to study the the, the Bible on your own. Yeah.
1: So just broad strokes, like if you're looking for a place to start, or if you're looking to maybe re-enter, uh, you know, studying the Lord's Word, maybe you haven't done it in a while. Uh, we have kind of just boiled it down to some of its basic components, and kind of the way that I would start uh, is I would encourage you uh, to pick a time to pick a place, and to pick a book. Uh, So time, place, book. Let that kind of be your guiding uh, elements when you're thinking about, okay, how am I going to be spending time with the Lord? But yeah, so do
0: you want to explain... Yeah. So really pick right. a time. The, the, the first thing on that is just picking a time is, is simply this, uh, a time where you can actually think, <laughs> especially in college world. So many times you are pushed to the max and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll totally have a quiet time at 3 a.m. when I'm free. In and, between uh, labs. Right. Or, yeah, in between labs where people are walking by. And, uh, and so just really to pick a time where you're going to be mentally fresh and able to be focused yeah. uh, to, to spend time with the Lord. And the next one was to pick a place. Yeah. So essentially, you
1: know, the same way that you want a time where you're focused, you want a place where you can be focused. And uh, really, this is more of building a habit. This helps you build a habit. Uh, The same way that if I was going to, you know, have a date with my wife uh, or if I wanted to meet a friend, I would like say, hey, let's go to this place. Like I wouldn't just be like, hey, let's figure it out. Susan, like you would be specific because you want to be intentional because with that time, <laughs> right? You need a plan. Uh, and God loves them too. And so he's, you know, it's really helpful to just know, okay, I'm going to go to this coffee shop or I'm going to go to my room or I'm going to go to the kitchen table or wherever it might be. Like I'm going to have this time and I'm also going to have an intentional place where I can focus, where there's not, like you said, people run around, noises distracting me, you know, whatever it might be uh, a place where I can really, uh, you know, listen to the
0: Lord in that in that time. Awesome. And the last piece is to pick a book. And what we mean by that is really two options: um, pick a devotional book. There's yeah. a lot of great devotional books out there that um, that can help guide your thinking and, and help you to connect with the Lord. Um, or pick a book of the Bible. Uh, surprise, surprise! You can read a particular book of the Bible and. And where would you encourage them to start? I mean, if you're starting uh, the first time to really dive into a, a small group, where would you guide a college student to start, Jacob? Yeah, I, generally when people ask me that,
1: I mean, because I've had this conversation multiple times, and um, I mean, I, I always really like to point people just to one of the Gospels, um, maybe even specifically Mark. The Gospel of Mark sort of, sort of is a highlight reel of, of Christ's time on earth and just kind of shows sort of some of the big moments from his ministry of his, of his time here. And so uh, that's a really great one that I always point people to. And, and whichever book it is, I always encourage people to uh, use some sort of commentary to speak into it. So you're not just straight up trying to read it and, you know, ascertain like, wait, a cubit is how far? You know, like <laughs> and figuring that stuff out. And so it's helpful to use a commentary. And, and there's so many great commentaries that you can get for free uh, in our digital age. You can go online to um, Bible.org has a lot of really wonderful resources, commentaries, and articles on different passages. You can search by the passage or the book. You can also go to soniclight.org, uh, which is a full like Bible commentary from a guy named D- Dr. Thomas Constable, who uh, just put a lot of time and energy and wonderful thoughts to paper. And, and it's free, and you can just use it to, to just guide your reading. Uh, as you're walking through whatever book it is that you've chosen,
0: yeah, it's so helpful. And I, we just encourage you to pick a pick a short book. You know, the yeah. you, you could spend your time in Leviticus, and that may yeah. be awesome. That may be where you need hey. to be. But uh, in order to feel like you're moving, uh, it might be helpful to pick a shorter book. Pick the Gospel of Mark, or pick a one of Paul's letters, and just just start simple, and uh, and you can win it. So, yeah. uh, great, great advice on there. So, pick a time, pick a place, pick a book. Um, the other thing is this that's also helpful. Uh, if you're really green and you've actually never spent any time reading the Bible by yourself, I encourage you to do it yourself, but get in a small group. Yeah. Get connected in a small group. We've got some here. There's a ton I of... Do. And they're up and rolling. They are up and rolling. So great segue. Oh
1: yeah, to our small groups. <laughs> our small this. groups are open. So they kicked off this past week, uh, and they are continuing to uh, you know be happening this week. Uh, on let's see, what is it going to be? The fifteenth, September fifteenth uh, is this Thursday. So seven o'clock at our Anderson campus, seven o'clock at our Southwood campus. Both of them are just, again, kind of acting as sort of these uh, big markers of, of gathering places for students. Normal uh, during Normally during the week, people will be scattered at different homes and apartments around town. But for this week, fi- this is our last week to be all gathered in, you know, those kind of main locations. So uh, If you're wanting to be in a campus group, again, you're going to want to sign up online so that a leader will contact you directly and tell you where you're meeting. Uh, But if you're just wanting to be in a community group or a serve group, a focus group, you're going to be coming to, again, Anderson at 7 o'clock or Southwood at 7 o'clock this Thursday, September 15th.
0: It's a great place to get plugged in and a great place to start building some relationships. And and the next big announcement we want to give you is this. Uh, We have Girls' Night coming up. Holla. Allah. And uh, we won't be there, nope. but we will encourage you to go there. And uh, there's actually going to be in downtown, Bryan. Yep. Uh It's going to be Thursday, September 29th at 6 p.m. Thursday, September 29th at 6 p.m. And it will be so fun. It is fun. You basically get to hear, you choose one of
1: three sessions to hear a speaker basically Uh, initiate a conversation, give you some talking point, kind of just talk about a a pressing subject. And then you go to dinner with your friends and kind of a little small community and you get to talk about uh, whatever it is you heard. Like you get to talk about that conversation and there's leaders that will help guide that conversation. So you don't have to like feel the burden to like take all the notes and, like, come up with a bunch of questions. Like, there's people that will help you uh, process and talk through whatever it is that you've heard discussed from the stages. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's really fun. The girls always love it. My wife loves it. Um, it's, yeah, it's a super great thing.
0: Yeah, it's going to be at the Grand Stafford Theater in downtown Bryan. That's going to be the initial meeting point. And then they'll kind of divide from there to, to go to the groups. Um, great time and a great place to bring your friends. If you're not connected yeah. to church, uh, this is kind of a non uh, an unintimidating environment yeah. for them to get connected and uh, and to have some great great conversations. Yeah. So, okay. That's it. Hey, thank you so much for joining us with the Grace Bible uh, Grace College podcast. Yeah. Have a great week. Talk to you next week.